Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I'm your host, Don. Thanks for listening. Now, today, we're going to be talking about the Yankees and how they continue to look like, unfortunately, a clown show. Boone and his cast of morons are really, really stinking up the joint at this point, and Jersey Guy is going to discuss. Also, I'm going to give some thoughts on the New York Giants training camp. There's some unexpected breakouts and some good stuff to talk about there. So why don't we go ahead and get started? And so the Yankees have become almost a punchline lately. And the problem is there's almost too many punchlines to choose from to discuss. I mean, I could pick a hundred of them, but they really have become a punchline. Yesterday, by the way, the Yankees managed to lose to the lowly Chicago White Sox, who are 22 games under 500. And generally a really, really bad team. The Yanks managed to leave another 12 runners on base on Monday. That was after leaving 13 more on base on Sunday. And that was after leaving 15 on base a game or two before that. The Yanks managed to score all of one single run on Monday against the, you know, tough White Sox, who are 22 games under 500. The Yanks wasted a start by... Garrett Cole, who's one of the only starting pitchers who's pitching well for the Yanks. And they lost yet another game in the Warrior Claw race in their quote-unquote race to the third wild card. Aaron Boone got thrown out of yet another game. Um, he was um, doing his normal Aaron Boone shtick, right, where the home plate umpire was really terrible, as he has been in a few times, Angel Hernandez. And Boone, by the way, is only good for this one single thing. He came out, he yelled, he made fun of the umpire, and he got thrown out, right? He defends his guys. He makes a big show of arguing with the umpires and defending the Yankees' terrible players because that's Boone's only talent, right? He's The team behaves as a reflection of him. They think they can get away with anything because Boone will simply defend them for any stupidity that they do. Yankees make the same ridiculous base running mistakes when they're on second. They advance to third when the ball's in front of them and get thrown out there over and over this year. Labor Torres makes the same silly base running mistakes and terrible errors over and over and over. They know, the Yankees do, that there's no consequences for their bad play. And with Boone as manager, this cycle of ridiculousness has persisted now for about four seasons. Yanks currently are five and a half games out of the last wild card. The last wild card spot, maybe I'll repeat that again. They are five and a half games behind the third and final wild card spot, as if this is some lofty goal we're shooting for. But the Yankees clown show is not just on the field. There's so many issues with the Yankees. It's really hard to choose, just one to make fun of. Um, so let me let me list them out here. Let's start with debacle number one, and that is Anthony Rizzo. It was determined that Rizzo is apparently suffering from post-concussion syndromes from a collision that he had back in May at first base when some dude ran into him. Now, the fact that no doctors on the Yanks noticed this for two friggin' months is, it would be comical if it wasn't actually a serious thing for his health. So Anthony Rizzo is probably likely, I'd say, out for, if not most of the year, the rest of 2023. We'll see. Rizzo was having a great season up to that point in May, and afterwards he's been one of the absolute worst hitters in baseball. So there's a fair chance that we may not get to see any more of Anthony Rizzo this year. Debacle number one. Debacle number two, let's move on. Domingo Herman. 
Herman was apparently drunk and disorderly in the Yankee clubhouse, overturning tables, yelling and screaming at fellow players, even yelling at manager Aaron Boone. Herman was then summarily dumped from the team and put on an alcohol rehabilitation center where they quote-unquote said he was voluntarily. And, and yeah, right. And it seems like Herman, in any case, has probably pitched his very last pitch with the Yankees. I mean, I would be extremely surprised at this point if the Yankees see Domingo Herman again. And keep in mind, this is a guy that pitched a perfect game for the Yankees like less than a month ago. The clown house continues. Debacle number three. Luis Severino. Severino has been an outright fucking disaster for 2023, this whole entire year. He was sent to the bullpen on more than one occasion, only to be recalled because of, in this case, debacle number two, Herman. Herman's gone. We needed someone to start. Got another start over the weekend and was summarily bombed by the Houston Astros again. Severino just sucks balls at this point, and he probably may need to start again because the Yankees simply have no starters who can pitch. And they refuse to use some of their good minor league starters like Vasquez, who's come up three times and pitched three good games. God forbid we try to catch lightning in a bottle and have a, a minor leaguer come up and start some games. You know, we must try to retread the people that are on our team. Debacle number four, Carlos Rodon. And this has probably a two-part debacle, right? Maybe we'll call it four and four A. What a fucking joke this loser has been. He has bombed again the other day by the Astros and is now 1-4 in four in 2023 with a 7.33 ERA. He's been walking way too many people, giving up way too many home runs. His wife is, by the way, tweeting and on Instagram way too much about how good he is. Just fucking shoot me now with Carlos Rodon's wife. Also... In addition to this, and maybe this is the 4A part of the debacle. So debacle 4 is how much Rodon sucks. 4A is now Rodon is heading to the uh, the IL on top of it with some fucking hamstring problem. Who knows how long this is going to keep this idiot off the team. We have signed him, by the way, for five more years. We're signed up for five more years of this happy horse shit, right? $162 million fucking dollars Cashman gave him over six years this is his first year. We're in the middle of August. He's pitched five games and has blown ball so far. What a dumpster fire this guy's been. Talk about a double disaster. Can you hear me, Cashman? Fantastic. So that was uh, debacle four and 4A. Let's go to debacle five. John Carlos Stanton. Now, Stanton may seem like an odd choice to put in the debacle category because he's finally starting to hit a few home runs here and there and everywhere. But still, by the way, guys, even with this great hitting lately, he's up to all of 203 as a batting average. But so come on. I know he's hitting home runs. Great. And they're going to make the best possible light of him hitting home runs. But still, you guys all know what I'm going to talk about right here. And that's that ridiculous, ridiculous lack of running from second base the other day. He runs like my mother-in-law. I swear to God. He was on second base. DJ hit a long single to right center. The center fielder, you know, threw a lollipop toward the first base line. It wasn't even a great throw. And he was out by home plate by 20 feet. He wasn't even sprinting at all. He was barely jogging. There's absolutely no effort by him to bust it. I mean, what are we going to do with a player like that? That's signed for three or four more years, paying him $30 million. If this is his maximum speed, he's batting 203. He's had a couple homer lately. Great. 
when he when he was healthy and he was on fire, he was one of the greatest players in the game. But we haven't seen that Stan for probably two years now. It's been a very long time since Stan's been that kind of good for any kind of length of time. At this point, we have a two oh three hitter that absolutely can run and for a period of a couple of weeks hits a couple home runs. We have three more fucking years of this after this year. How are we going to deal with this? Where is he going to go? Another Cashman atrocious signing. Debacle number six, the trade deadline disaster. And I've spoken about this deadline disaster at length on a previous podcast, so I'm not going to go into it much here. Suffice to say that if Cashman sold at the deadline, it would have been much happier. But he chose to do nothing. At least he didn't sell um, young arms away and try to buy some, you know, someone who he thinks could actually get the team to a position to maybe make the playoffs as if anyone cares like that's some kind of goal. Debacle number seven. And this is an ongoing debacle. So I don't know if this is actually a debacle or just a, a, a permeating problem with the Yankees. And that's management's expectations and their assessment of talent. I've spoken about this on previous podcasts ad nauseum, how critical, critical, critically important it is to be able to properly assess talent. You've heard me say this on this podcast over and over and over. And if you learn nothing from me on any of the podcasts I've ever had, it's this. The ability to properly assess talent is the most critical thing any sports organization can ever do. If you do not properly assess talent, you simply are going to make all bad decisions that will not lend your team to winning. Cashman continues to fail in this regard. He didn't recognize in 2023 how to put a good team out there. He's incapable of assessing how good or bad players are. He assesses that Torres is a good second baseman. He assesses that we really don't need any kind of actual left fielder. He assesses that, yeah, let's go ahead. It's okay to trade Gio Urshela, and let's sign Josh Donaldson. I'm not going to talk about this anymore, but I am going to mention quickly expectations. Somewhere in the last five to ten years, Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman's expectations, and it permeates down throughout the team and the manager and everywhere else, have gone from our goal is to win the World Series to our girl goal is to sneak into the wild card as if this is some kind of fucking acceptable goal. And it's driven a bunch of terrible decisions, and it continues to be the Yankee focus going forward, unfortunately. And it will continue to keep them in this cycle of ridiculousness where they're not good enough to really do anything in the playoffs, but they're not bad enough where they're actually going to go into a rebuild and make this team good for the future. So we're stuck in this ridiculous, repeating Groundhog's Day cycle of Cashman not doing the right thing. And it's all because of terrible expectations and the inability to properly assess talent. Debacle number, let's just get them all out of the way. Debacle number eight and onward. Trevino, our catcher, is out for the year. Hurt. Devi Garcia was just now DFA. They cut him. He was once our top pitching prospect, and he's gone. Just so we can get Loiza go back on the roster. Bader and Boone are being encouraged by a loss to the Astros. Quote, unquote, encouraged. They lost 9-7 to to the Astros on Sunday, and apparently were happy with that. They got walked about a million fucking times. They scored a few runs. They left 13 more people on base. And later, you know, Bader and Boone, you know, were, were fine with that. Boone was, quote, unquote, encouraged by the Yankee offense. Yeah, it's fucking great. Leave 13 people on base. I'm encouraged by that. The Yanks are also, by the way, quote, unquote, really pleased with Aaron Judge since he's returned from the IL and hitting 185 and was 0 for 12 against the Astros. But 
apparently Boone is very pleased with that. Um, continuing on this all-encompassing debacle, number eight, Frankie Montas. Cashman's brilliant trade deadline acquisition from last year, when again, he went out and bought and gave young players away with really no real chance to do anything in the playoffs. And once again, another disaster resulted. We got rid of two or three good young arms. We got Frankie Montas, who sucked balls for three or four starts last year, went on the IL and has not thrown a single goddamn pitch in 2023 this year for us. Frankie Montas. Fantastic. So we'll do a quick recap of the debacles, right? So this Yankee clown show, Anthony Rizzo and his concussion and how that was handled. Debacle number two, Domingo Herman basically gone, throwing his last pitch for us. Debacle number three, Luis Severino, just an utter disaster who we can't even put in the bullpen because we don't even have enough good arms to start. Debacle number four, Carlos Rodon, and he had the two-parter where he sucks balls, and now he's on the I.L. again. Debacle number five, John Carlos Stanton and his lack of athleticism and hitting 203. Number six was the trade deadline disaster. Seven was the ongoing management ridiculousness, lack of being able to assess talent and expecting that it's okay to hit the wild card only. And then debacle eight was everything else. Trevino gone, Garcia's DFA'd, Montas is a disaster, and all the rest of the stuff. So the Yankees have no one to blame but themselves for this mess that they've created. The Yanks have scored, where did I write it down? 485 runs this season. They've given up 485 runs. They're 50-50 and 50 in their last 100 games, and they're 99-101 and 101 in their last 200 games. So over a extended, extended data set, 200 games, that is more than a season by plenty. The Yankees are an under 500 team. So do not tell me that the Yankees are a good team waiting to bust out. Do not tell me this. They are not. 99 and 101 in their last 200 games. So anyone looking with rose-colored glasses at what this team really could be or this or that is not Paying attention. Again, the Yanks are five and a half games out of the third and last wild card spot, as if that's some something to, you know, shoot for. <clears throat> now there is some good. Um, I've noticed myself our last week to two weeks there's been some good stuff. So Nestor Cortez came back over the weekend, looked awesome in his return against Houston. I mean, really about as good as you can possibly look. I was shocked watching him mow down, strike out, you know. Astro after Astro. He, I think he pitched four or five innings. He struck out eight. He looked absolutely tremendous, and that was really a good sign. Um, Garrett Cole continues to pitch well and be available. He's a true, you know, uh, Cy Young candidate. And not only does he pitch well, he never gets hurt. He's always out there, which is amazing for pitchers nowadays because they all are like the most frail little twigs you've ever seen. Everyone is hurt all the time. You just show Rodon, who's been out half the fucking year, you know, get five starts, get shelled, and now his hamstring hurts, and he's back on the fucking IL. Cole is great not only because he pitches well, but because he never gets hurt, and he's always available. Again, he's pitched all year, and he's pitched great. He's got the second lowest ERA in the American League and continues to be a reliable starter for us. He had a bad month of May, but he's been really, really, really good otherwise. Some other positives, Clark Schmidt continues to pitch well. Of course, then he gets pulled by Boone after five innings. So I'm putting this in the good category because I'm very, very impressed with how Schmidt has been pitching. 
he's been incredibly consistent really for all three months. I don't know if anyone's paying attention, but like every single time he goes out there, it's been a good start. They had some stat on the other day. I don't know. He's had what? Eight, nine, ten, maybe it was 12 starts in a row where he gave up three earned runs or less. I mean, that's spectacular. Now, again, Boone continues to pull him after the fifth inning. So, you know, not like we win a lot of his games because he pitches well, Boone pulls him, the bullpen blows it, and on and on we go. Because God forbid you should pitch Schmidt, you know, six innings or seven innings. He's hit the 90-pitch limit. He's hit the 100-pitch limit. We must take him out. God forbid. Anyway, Clark Schmidt, good story, pitching well. Uh, Bowers has hit pretty well lately. I'll put that in the good category. He's um, he's driven in some runs, hit some homers, looked pretty good. Glaber Torres uh, has continued his good hitting. Um, mostly, again, when it doesn't matter, but I will take it any way I can get it. Torres has been one of the very few people hitting like the back of his baseball card this year. Basically, everyone else has not been. Uh, DJ LeMahieu starting to hit again, so that's good, consistently over the last two or three weeks. So maybe... Maybe, as Yankee fans, we can, as I wrap this part up, try to think about some of the good and not the fucking garbage dumpster fire clown show that the Yankees have actually become this year. Maybe try to think about some of those good things. Now, our last place Yankees get to play the White Sox a few more games and then the Marlins before we're facing the Braves. So God help us there. <laughs> In any case, I think that's going to be it for the Giants. I'm for the, sorry, excuse me, for the Yankees. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Giants and then wrap up here. So as summer camp rolls on for the New York Giants and we inch forward to our first preseason game, which is happening, by the way, in a few days, Friday, this Friday the 11th, uh, I want to give some quick Giant notes on the camp. Um, number one, uh, the center who they drafted in the second round. John Michael Schmitz is his name. He appears to have won the starting center position this early in camp, and uh, that is just awesome for the New York Giants, right? Um, we have a stable left tackle now in Andrew Thomas, who we just signed to a long-term deal, and he's probably going to be an all-pro. We appear to have a stable center in the second round draft pick, and we probably have a stable right tackle in Neal. Speaking of Neal, though, um, he is out with a concussion, unfortunately, and that's really bad timing. We have to hope that he gets back in soon and is able to play regularly soon. He had a bit of a down year last year, and he really needs more repetitions. Um, and that's something that certainly would help him. So hopefully he's not out very long because having a good offensive line, and in my mind, more critically, a stable, consistent offensive line to save five people really is a key to success. And, you know, I know teams don't always do that, and they sub in and out, and they move people left and right. But we want to see stability. We know we have stability at left tackle. We appear like we're going to have stability at uh, center, and hopefully we're going to have stability at right tackle. We're going to have to see. Um, in practice, apparently Daniel Jones and our new free agent tight end steel Darren Waller appear to be connecting really well. Apparently Waller looks spectacular in training camp and really appears to be a valuable addition to the Giants. Now the Giants sixth round draft pick, Trey Hawkins, he's a cornerback. He has really good size and skill, but he was thought to be a raw talent or a project kind of thing, but apparently he's having a tremendous training camp. Matter of fact, according to Wink Martindale, he's having such an outstanding training camp that he might even start at outside corner. And that is a shock because he's doing so well that they're considering moving Adoree Jackson to the inside slot. And obviously, Adoree Jackson is a former pro bowler and an outstanding cornerback. And if Trey Hawkins is going to start in 
you know, a Dory Jackson's normal spot at corner. This is just spectacular. It's all outstanding news, and it appears uh, the Giants may have gotten the steal of the draft if this guy's as good as what they're saying. We're going to have to see, though. Training camp is training camp. We'll see how he does when uh, the games count. Also, after a slow start, um, the Giants wide receiver, Jalen Hyatt, really, really starting to open some eyes for the Giants. He's a third-round pick. He's a wide receiver with absolutely blazing, blazing speed. And basically, every day there seems to be like some wows and reports coming out of training camp about how, just how fast he is and how he glides and how tremendously quick he is. And the Giants really need some playmakers, a wide receiver. And there's, it seems like they're putting a few together here. Uh, this season. Apparently, he's picking it up now, so everyone should keep an eye on Jalen High and see how he does. Another new receiver on the team, by this way, by the way, is Paris Campbell, who was a free agent pickup that they got for peanuts. He's apparently turning heads as well. He might be an X-factor for the Giants' offense in 2023. And, you know, so far, his body of work is kind of unimpressive. He's a free agent, hasn't really done much. He's been getting hurt all the time. But so far in camp, apparently there's a lot of oohs and ahs, and he's been outstanding. And the word is that he may really be able to help this team. And in general, the wide receiver position has now lots of competition. You may remember last year, there was just no one, no one. You probably can't even name any wide receivers for the Giants last year. It was so bad. Um, but this year, there is some competition, and Paris Campbell will probably make the team and be one of them. Remember, Sterling Shepard is coming back this year as well. The rookie I mentioned a minute ago, Hyatt. Um, There's going to be a lot of competition at wide receiver. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Lastly, uh, the Giants' first-round draft pick in 2023, you might remember, was cornerback Deontay Banks, and he apparently also is looking very, very good in training camp. So the Giants might be improved in the secondary, so that will help. Uh, There's been kind of a lack of news, I'd say, about how well or not well the defensive line looks. I'm really anxious to see how they do. I need Thibodeau to step it up and be better than he was last year. He got way more praise than he deserved. He was fine, but he was nowhere near a fifth overall pick. I I need to see more from him this year, but it's certainly an exciting year for the Giants. Um, I do expect the Giants to have an, I guess, to to look improved, to be improved, and to play teams tougher than they have, though I do not expect this to be reflected in the Giants' record necessarily, as the Giants have a much harder schedule in 2023 compared to what they had in 2022. So I hope and I expect that they will be a better team, but I'm not sure how much that will reflect in wins. We'll have to see. And that's it. That's all I have for you today, guys. Uh, this Friday again, 8-11 is the first preseason game, and I'm kind of pumped, even though preseason games suck in the NFL. So go G-Man. And that's all I have for you today. I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. I want you to please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about it. And I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks and have a good day.